Grace Chapel podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We're so glad you're here. Before we get started, we want to remind you of the importance of being connected into a local church body. Podcasts are a gift from God, but are meant to be supplemental and not substitute or replace the gathering of the saints in worship in the Word. With that being said, we pray that this teaching would bless you, equip you, and encourage you in your walk with Christ. Man, I'm, I'm very excited what we're talking about this morning. It's, it's one of, it's not only one of my favorite topics, I personally believe it is incredibly important for the church to get this. I think there is a huge lack of this in our American culture. I think there is a huge lack of this in our American church culture. And so to me, this isn't like a message that I hope we hear and that's just like encouraging today. And maybe, maybe it speaks to you for a few days this week. Like, like my hope is that this would be something that gets down into our DNA and that we live out regularly and consistently. And so we're talking this morning about the issue of how important it is for a multi-generational church. We need mothers and fathers of the faith. We need Christians who position themselves not as like I'm a follower of Jesus, but I am a son and a daughter of the king, but I also am a son and a daughter who needs some spiritual parents in my life, that all of us would embrace both of these roles. Like I think some of us are relatively young and we might still just view ourselves through the lens of a son or a daughter. And I, I don't think the Lord wants us to change that posture, but I think he wants us to see that we're also called to be spiritual parents that there are people he has placed in our lives that we are meant to love and impact and influence. Um, and, and I believe a lot of times in our culture, even when we wanna see, like in our Christian cultures, when we wanna see change or revival, we even think in like these really small sectors, like let's inspire this age group or this type of person or this situation. It's like, no, we need the whole body of Christ to function together. And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And so we're going to look specifically at, at um, the story of Moses passing the torch to Joshua. And I've, I've, I've heard this for years. I've known this for years. It's a really bad idea when you're communicating a message to keep changing the point of view, like pick a character and stay with that character. But I just want to encourage you, uh, we're going to do something a little different this morning. I want you to look at this through the lens of Moses and Joshua because I believe we need to catch both pieces of this, all right? So Moses and Joshua. So if you're, if you're a note taker, um, there's three primary passages and kind of each point will be rooted in each of these passages. Um, and, and I would strongly encourage you to do some digging on your own this week. Read through these more in depth than we'll be able to get this morning. Uh, but it's Numbers 27, Deuteronomy 31, and Joshua chapter 1. Numbers 27, Deuteronomy 31, and, and Joshua chapter 1. Um, all right, so three aspects of this. Um, point number one this morning is we need to invest in the future. We need to invest in the future. And so the first place where we see this passing of the torch story here is in Numbers 27, verses 12 through 23. I'm just going to read a few of these verses. 
So let's start by looking at verses 12 and 13. We have now skipped like 38 years, all right? We looked at Joshua's life uh, in those early years as they came out of Egypt. They've now spent 40 years in the wilderness um, wandering, waiting, and being shaped as a people. And the new generation is coming into themselves, and they're about to go to the promised land, and Moses is at the end of his life. And so Numbers 27, verses 12 and 13. The Lord said to Moses, Go up into this mountain of Abarim and see the land that I have given to the people of Israel. Moses, go see the land you're not going to walk in, but the next generation is. I want you to see the land, the new territory they're taking. I want you to catch a vision of it before you die. Go see the land. And when you have seen it, you shall be gathered to your people. Do, do you already see the significance of like Moses is being anchored in both the future, the next generation, and the rich history of God's people. And, and his life has been a legacy. Like he's gonna be gathered to his people. He carried the torch in his generation faithfully. Not perfectly, faithfully. And he carried a legacy from a past generation that he's going to be a part of for all eternity. You'll be gathered to your people. But I want you to see the future. I want you to see it. I want you to catch a glimpse of the new territory that the next generation is, taken, is taking. Guys, we have to catch a vision of this, investing in the future. We have to have a vision for the next generation. And we have to have a deep sense of the hope that awaits us in heaven, that we are a part of a long legacy of faith in our Savior Jesus, a long legacy of imperfect but faithful saints. Like we're here as a result of people like Moses and Joshua and on down the line. And so the Lord wants us to live out of this place of, of legacy, understanding the rich history that goes before me and understanding like what lies ahead. And it, it, it's meant to anchor us. And so I wanna say something to you guys. When we despise or side-eye the younger generation, we're missing it. When we look at the younger generation with any sense of like, despair, discouragement, like, listen, we can laugh at all the little memes where like boomers and millennials are fighting and Gen Z's rolling their eyes at the whole thing and us Gen Xers just kind of like, whatever, dude. <laughs> I don't know. Like, we can laugh about all that stuff. Like, that is, a, that is a very broken lens to look at each other through. And far too many of us have allowed that to seep into how we view each other and it divides. And it breaks things down that God intended to be united. We have to have a vision for each other. Now, I'm not just lecturing the older generation here because Joshua loved and embraced Moses. He appreciated him and his leadership. He saw the things that Moses did that he would do different but he was able to look beyond Moses' shortcomings and failures 
Because guess what? When Joshua's on the scene, he's gonna have some too. If, if you're under 30, there is gonna come a day when there's gonna be some teenagers and 20-year-olds rolling their eyes at you. And there's gonna be some perspectives that you have right now that seem very like real and relevant and it's gonna look very old and outdated in like 20 years. It comes for all of us. <laughs> Listen, we have to embrace this. So we, we've got to be careful that we're not despising the other generations. We need each other. Now, just as important as the people, listen, I also have to say, we have got to be careful not to fear and dismay when we look at the future. I think this is a huge problem in the American church. It's okay, I've been honest. I think it's okay to look with realistic eyes and go, hey, there's some things that don't look so good about where we are and where we're heading. That's okay. Like, I think it's important to be real. We have to put on fake rose-colored glasses. Like, we can be real about where we are and where we're heading. But I think far too many Christians have, like, embraced this despair of just, like, we're in huge trouble and, and there's no sense of hope. There's no sense of like, there's new territory to be taken. Like if we just look around and go, man, the next generation, they're just, they're screwed. No, let's have some hope for the next generation. Let's believe in the future that God has for them. Even if things look rough around them, God still has new territory to be taken by the next generation. And we've got to catch a vision for that. And so Moses catches a vision for that. There's the new territory that they're gonna take that I'm not gonna be around for. And it was important for him to see that. Listen, if, if you are genuinely concerned about the younger generation, about what you see, about what their values are, about who they're becoming, if you're genuinely concerned about that, if you're genuinely concerned about the future or direction that you see things going in, then we need to take a page from Moses' book. What we need to do if we have those very real concerns is we then need to invest in them. That's the only right response. Writing them off is the wrong response. Sitting around in a holy huddle, going like this, waiting for Jesus to show up, that is the wrong response. If we're concerned about where things are going, we need to embrace the importance of investing in the next generation and inspiring some hope in them. If they just hear us saying all the time, we're screwed and you're screwed, guess how they're gonna feel about things? And they are discouraged and in despair and anxious and depressed. There's hope. There's hope in God. He redeems. He restores. I guarantee you there, are, there were people in the 30s, in the 1930s, who thought, surely this is it. Surely this is the end. And if we just sit on our hands thinking that's the case, we're missing it. We've got to embrace investing. So what does the Lord tell Moses? As Moses has run his race well and God's getting him to think legacy, think big picture, then the Lord redirects him and in verses 18 through 20, 
The Lord said to Moses, take Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the spirit and lay your hand on him. The spirit of God resides in young and old alike. I do believe there there is a large portion of the next generation that has a heart for Jesus who are being stirred to see revival in their generation who want to walk in real, authentic relationship with God. And and generationally, we need to be linking arms. They need to hear us say, we see you, we believe in you, we are for you. We affirm the work that God wants to do in and through your life. And so God says, lay your hand on him. Make him stand before Eleazar, the priest, and all the congregation... We, that means what needs to be seen publicly is that we are empowering and affirming the next generation for Christ. Instead of what we see publicly is tearing each other down and rolling our eyes at each other. Build up, affirm, lay your hands on. Commission, you shall commission him in their sight. Verse 20, I love this. You shall invest him with some of your authority that all the congregation of the people of Israel may obey. Now, there's a sense where this, this translation is accurate, right? Like, hey, the people need to see that Joshua is gonna be the new leader. So like invest, publicly invest some authority in him. Um, but that phrase, you shall invest some of your authority. The old school um, King James puts it this way. It says, put some of thine honor on him. Put some of thine honor. This goes more than just saying like, hey, the job's yours now. It's more than that. It's deeper than that. The word put, that that Hebrew word that sits behind it, it means to place. It means to endow or bestow. To endow or bestow, to give, to set upon. Place some of thine, the word thine. This This is a really interesting word. The word picture literally is is of blood and seed. You getting the picture? Give some of yourself to the next generation. Give some of your DNA, what makes you tick, the core values, the things that make you who you are, Put them upon, endow them, bless, place them on the next generation. Give some of yourself to them. And then that last word, honor or authority, it means vigor. It's gonna give them new life and energy. It means authority and it does mean honor as it's translated there. And so there's a sense of strength and like there's a sense of like I know who I am and where I belong because it's been intentionally spoken over and invested into me. The picture here is very paternal. This is about spiritual fathers and mothers. Like Moses is not Joshua's literal father, but he is a spiritual father. This is embracing the massive need for real connected multi-generational relationships. And I just have to say to, to those that are called to be spiritual parents, it's gonna require something of us. It requires some blood. 
It requires taking time to sow a seed and help it get implanted. Make sure it's landing on good soil. It's getting watered. It's getting fed. See, we're not just, this morning is not just about looking at this moment in Moses and Joshua's life. This is like a culmination. This is, this is a significant moment in time, but this is a picture of decades of Moses and Joshua's relationship. As we've learned already in this series, Joshua has positioned himself to serve Moses. He's positioned himself to learn how Moses walks with the Lord. And so he, he has embraced who Moses is in his life. He's learned from him. He's modeled after his life. He's spent time around and with him serving. And Moses has taken time to invest in Joshua's life. And so there is this public display of the older generation, affirming, blessing, honoring, investing in the younger generation. And so Moses obeys the Lord, verses 22 and 23. Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He took Joshua and he made him stand before Eleazar the priest and the whole congregation. And he laid his hands on him and commissioned him as the Lord directed through Moses. Friends, this, this issue is not to be taken lightly. This is the Lord's directive. We've got to invest in each other. I want to read you a, um, a, a picture of what Moses says. I don't know if this is at this exact same moment. I think it might be, um, but it's in a similar moment. But the entire book of Deuteronomy is really the passing of the, chort, of the torch to the new generation. Um, it's Moses establishing them and re reaffirming the covenant they've made with God. Like it's a rich book. Um, and as we near the end of it, we pick up on, on a very similar scene. I think it's the same one um, where Moses is publicly doing this, laying his hands on Joshua in front of the congregation. And these are the words that are spoken. Deuteronomy 31, seven through eight. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, be strong and courageous. You guys familiar with this phrase? We're actually gonna see this morning, it pops up over and over again uh, in this season of Joshua's life. Be strong and courageous, for you shall go with this people into the land that the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall put them in possession of it. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. Joshua, you be strong, you be courageous because you have what it takes. Like you're ready, you're ready. You've served, you've positioned yourself to learn and to grow and I'm affirming you, you're ready. You can do it, go for it. And, and you're doing something unique in your generation that builds upon the legacy of what God's been doing for a long time. He told Abraham, this land would be his land and his, his people's land. And now hundreds of years later, Joshua, you're a part of that. You're taking new territory. Friends, we, we live in a season where we are called to advance God's kingdom. There's territory that he wants all of us to take. There are things that God has promised that people have been praying for in our city for decades. And we now live here, right here, right now. Maybe you're in Knoxville for a couple of years. Maybe you're here for the long haul. But God has you here for a reason, right here, right now. And he wants to see his kingdom advanced in Knoxville.
How am I participating in that? Am I positioning myself as a Joshua to be prepared for that? So that when my moment comes, like Joshua moment comes, I'm ready to step into it. I'm ready to take a stand in my day, in my generation, and see territory taken for the kingdom of God. As I invest in, in these people in this place, that's what this is about. Where has God put me? These people in this place. Friends, this is relevant to every single one of us. If you're, if you're a young adult, if you're single, if you're married, no kids, if you're married with kids, if you're an empty nester, you are a son and daughter that God wants to continue to invest in. If you're 80 years old, you're still a spiritual son or daughter and God wants to invest in you directly from himself and he wants to invest in you through other people. If, if you are young, God wants you to position yourself like a Joshua. Find spiritual parents. Like one of the things I'm so grateful for when I look around our church is like even our little relatively small church body here, like there's a pretty beautiful blend of generations. It's, it's, it's honestly a huge answer to prayer. When we first moved to Knoxville, it was like 95% people with like two-year-olds. <laughs> Like that was our church. And we still have a lot of young families. I'm grateful for that. But we pray, Lord, bring some of that, that maturity. Help us grow that ourselves, but bring some of that. Bring some maturity. And like, it's a huge answer to prayer. I, I feel like we have a really beautiful blend of that. But I, I wanna just challenge you a little bit to consider, are you actively engaging in that? Like we can look around the room and go, hey, there's various ranges of age and maturity and spiritual depth. Like, great, that's cool that that's in the room. But am I engaged in that? Am, am I positioning myself as a spiritual parent? Like, am I open to some, some people within the body here that the Lord has placed in my life to invest in? Am I, am I seeking out spiritual mothers and fathers? Take advantage of that. It's a beautiful thing that, that we are blessed with. Let's take advantage of that. And so all of this stuff is spoken over him. Be strong and courageous. Take the land. God, God's with you. That's the other beautiful picture. It's not, Joshua, I'm sending you out on your own. Good luck, buddy. God's with us. He's with us. He's active. He's doing stuff in our homes. Like if one of our primary places of investment right now is in the lives of our children, awesome. Embrace that. My son Micah turned 18 today. Woo! I'm still blown away that he's 18. I can't wrap my head around it. But like, I'm grateful for the time that we have had together and will continue to have. Like, that's my primary thing. If I get this pastoring thing wrong, but I get this right, I'll be doing okay. Like, we're, we are sons and daughters of the king and we are called to be spiritual mothers and fathers. And many of us have done that. Like, I, I'm, I'm hoping... Like I'm wanting to inspire and encourage this morning. I, I don't want this to come across like I'm saying you aren't doing this. I just, I want you to be filled deeply with this conviction that like this is necessary and how does the Lord have me positioned to do that right now? What does this look like in my life right now? Who are my spiritual parents? Who are my spiritual children? Where's God calling me to invest? So let's invest in the future. 
point. Um, oh, no, no, I want to say this before I move on really quickly because I, I didn't read the very last part. When it says that the Lord goes before you and he'll be with you, it says he will not leave or forsake you. And then he says, do not fear or be dismayed. I fear that I can't even fully communicate this thought well, but I just want to say to you, people who've been well established because others have invested in them, people who are secure, like they have a deep sense that like I have been mothered and fathered well, get deeply rooted in their identity. And you know what that does? It dispels fear and dismay because I know who I am. And I I just want to say many, maybe even the majority of us have in some form or fashion been denied this through our, our parents, like biological or otherwise, but God has not left you or forsaken you. And whatever your upbringing, he has spiritual mothers and fathers for you that will help establish you in your identity so that you can find strength and courage. And God wants to heal and address our fears and our dismay so we can stand in our generation because we know who we are. Like I'm blessed that my parents are both my biological parents and my spiritual parents. I've been deeply blessed by that. I recognize that. There's a massive way that my life has been shaped by that, that many don't have. But I can also tell you, I have been deeply shaped by a lot of other people in my life who have invested in me. You guys know Dave Buring? He's one of them. Some of them are people like I know, like I could just start rattling off names of men who've invested time in my life over the years. I'm grateful for it. Some of them are very personal, like they know me and I know them. Some of them are people I've just learned from from a distance. Like I mentioned Tim Keller just a, a brief, what, a week or two ago. He just passed. Like, I've never met him personally and I mourned for a couple of days because he had a deep impact on my life. He made, he made me want to be a better man and a better a communicator of the gospel of Jesus. I've listened to hundreds of his sermons over the years. And at the end of every single sermon in some form or fashion, he always brought me back to the cross and reminded me of the beauty and the glory Jesus, my Savior. I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for the A.W. Tozers and the C.S. Lewis's. Like, I've been fathered by Paul and John, and like, we, we have a rich legacy available to us where we position ourselves under some spiritual mothers and fathers. Embrace that. Embrace that. Number two. Not only do we invest in the future, we stand with the future. I'm not going to read a whole lot of verses here, just two of them, but we're moving into Deuteronomy 31 now. Um, and, and shortly after what we just read where, where Moses um, blesses Joshua in front of the people, um, Moses and Joshua are now being called by the Lord to do something together. So Deuteronomy 31, verses 14 and 15. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, the days approach when you must die. Call Joshua and present yourselves in the tent of meeting that I may commission him. 
I love this. The first thing we saw was Moses speaking these words on behalf of the Lord over Joshua. Now the Lord's like, I want Joshua to hear this from me. And so y'all come together. So present yourselves that I may commission him. And Moses and Joshua went and presented themselves in the tent of meeting. And the Lord appeared in the tent in a pillar of cloud and the pillar of cloud stood over the entrance of the tent. And so they, they presented themselves. That word literally means like it instigates to stand, like to take one stand. It's like, oh man, something big and significant is happening here. Like the Lord wants me to come and stand before him because he's got some stuff to say. Okay, time to put on those big boy pants. And Moses and Joshua stand together in the presence of the Lord. And together they hear what the Lord is speaking over each of them. Joshua hears what the Lord has to say to Moses, for Moses, about Moses. And Moses stands with Joshua and hears what the Lord wants to speak to Joshua, to say to him and affirm in him. They stood together. And again, I mentioned this earlier, but this passage is not just a unique moment. This is their ritual. They've been going to the tent of meeting together for decades. They've linked arms and served alongside each other. Moses has built up and encouraged and affirmed Joshua and given him more and more authority and leadership as time has gone along. And so they know how to stand together. And so Joshua hears everything the Lord speaks to Moses. I'm not gonna read it all now, but he talks to Moses about his passing, about the people's future, including some of their failures that are coming. And the Lord tells him, um, I want you to teach the people a song. Why a song? So it can be remembered and it can be passed down, investing in the future. And so then after Joshua hears all of that, now the Lord speaks to Joshua. 31, uh, this is chapter 31, verse 23. And the Lord commissioned Joshua, the son of Nun, and said, be strong and courageous. Hear those same words? Be strong and courageous, for you shall bring the people of Israel into the land that I swore to give them, and I will be with you. Friends, what we're seeing here is, is a job well done. Moses has fathered Joshua so well that now Joshua can hear from the Father. Capital T, capital F, the Father. He learned how to hear from God by spending time with Moses. Now he knows how to hear God himself. And so the Lord affirms him personally, I'm with you. If you ever struggle with feeling like, how am I supposed to have this personal relationship with God? What does that mean? What does that look like? Go hang out with other people who have a personal relationship with God. Walk together, learn from each other. And then you begin to develop a sense of how to hear God speak into your life. And you, you do this even together. Like it's a process you, you walk through together. You, you learn together how to hear God's voice and to affirm each other. And so what Moses is doing is he's standing with Joshua as Joshua is commissioned by the Lord. And he just says, I'm, I'm affirming everything God is saying. I'm standing with you, I'm for you. I agree with what God's saying. I'm affirming that. They're standing together. This is so important. Like friends, in our spiritual walk, it is incredibly valuable when we learn to move beyond just talking to God for our own sake and we learn to talk to the Lord for the sake of others. I learned to pray with other people. 
I learned to listen on behalf of other people. Like, Lord, I'm praying for Bryant this week. And I'm thinking about him. I'm praying for him and his family and uh, his, and his job and just who he is as a man. And Lord, like I'm, I'm doing that. And I'm ga- maybe I'm engaging with him. Like, hey, bro, can I pray with you? Like we're walking through life together. We support each other. We know what's going on in each other's lives, right? Like we do that. And then at times I may even get a sense from the Lord of like, hey, I should say this thing. And so I speak some life or some encouragement into my friend, into my son or daughter, into my child. Like we do that. We have a, I want to, it just reminds you of a couple recent examples of this because this is something we should just be practicing as a church collectively, but in our individual lives. I don't know how many of you are here for it, but on March 28th, we sent off Andrew and Dira Soriano. And we were just like, hey, we'll take a few minutes, you know, after worship and, and speak some things over them, things we hear the Lord saying, things we see in them, and we're gonna lay hands on them and we're gonna do this. We're gonna commission them for what they're going into. And it took over the service. And that was all right, because it was what was needed. If you missed that, I would encourage you, go back and listen. If you go back into our podcast feed or our website, March 28th, that's a picture of this. Standing side by side and affirming what God is saying to each other. Recognizing the gifts God's given us. Because we know each other well enough to do that. Another example of this, how many of you men were on the men's retreat? All right, Saturday evening. Man, that was incredibly encouraging for me. Was that encouraging to any of you guys? And what we did collectively is we got in little pockets of four people and we just said, we're gonna sit and one at a time within that group of four, we're gonna focus on this person and the other three are just gonna pray over that person, pray for them, and then just listen and see if the Lord gives us anything to share. And then share a verse, share an encouragement. And everyone that attended that weekend left having had several people just speak over them, pray over them, and encourage them. We need that. And we need to normalize that. I want to encourage you to think about, like, who am I standing with? Who am I praying for and affirming on a regular basis? Are there some people in my life that I know well enough that I'm recognizing the gifts God's given them and how they're growing? And am I affirming that? Do I encourage that? I just got blessed this morning. Stephanie came up to me before service and just encouraged me, just totally unprompted, just saying, hey. And she just encouraged me in a very specific way. And it was life-giving. Like I was built up and encouraged by that. Like I just wanna publicly thank you for that. That, that That touched me, thank you. Like we need to normalize that for each other, but we have to know each other. We have to be standing with each other in order to walk that way. Um, I won't take long talking about this, but I was at a conference this spring. In fact, a few of you guys were there um, that was put on by the Messenger Fellowship. It was a conference in Nashville. And one of the things that struck me through the few days that I was there was I was seeing this on display. I was seeing um, this generational thing where people were linking arms and standing Together, We were celebrating a man's faithful service of 50 years in ministry, and he was leading it. But he wasn't the only person leading. In fact, he, very little, honestly. There was a lot of like 40-year-olds, 30-year-olds, 20-year-olds that were all collectively collaborating, leading, teaching, 
Like it was, it was just a beautiful picture of like multi-generational standing together and empowering young leaders. Like the younger leaders were affirming the, the older leaders and the older leaders were empowering and affirming the next generation. It was beautiful. It was inspiring to me. I was touched by that. We need that. We need to normalize that. Number three, last thing. If we're gonna invest in the future, we're gonna stand with the future, like be in real relationship. Um, we also need to embrace the future. We need to embrace the future. We need to embrace the seasons that we're in. And the, if it's kind of our time to step up and to lead in our generation, I need to embrace that. We also need to be able to embrace when it's time to let go. Like sometimes what I need to embrace is it's time for me to let somebody else step in and lead this. And so what, what we see here is like we see, we see Moses investing in Joshua. We see Moses standing with Joshua. And now we see Joshua stepping into his time and his season as Moses has like literally like let go. He's moved into eternity. He's let go. And so now in Joshua 1, and we're going to see a repeat of a lot of the things that we've already heard. But like Joshua needs to hear it fresh because now, man, he's on his own. Like he, he's leading. It's his time. Joshua 1, 1 through 5. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, he said, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise. Go over this Jordan you and all this people into the land I am giving to them. Verse three, every place that the sole of your foot will tread, I have given to you just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. Verse five, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. Friends, this is a real moment right here. Joshua goes from having, having heard this stuff while Moses is right there, <laughs> while dad's still got his back. But now all those things that he has heard, now it's his moment. Now he's stepping into leadership. Now he's stepping into his place of fatherhood. And he's hearing in a very real way all that stuff that had been invested in him. It's coming fresh in this moment because he needs it right now. And he hears God's voice saying, I'm with you. This is a successful handoff. This is the goal of all parenting. Whether like literally parenting our children or spiritual parenting. Our goal is actually to be able to let go and watch our children become who they're called to be. They take that DNA we poured into them, like we talked about earlier, but they also become who they're uniquely called to be. And they now are connected here. All moms and dads, our goal is to hand our kids off to the ultimate father. My goal as a parent, I want, I want to be here for my kids as long as I possibly can be. But ultimately, my goal is that they would walk with the Lord.
And that's what's happened here. And so, listen, we have to release when it's time to release. Um, I'd spent several years walking with a couple of young men that I was investing in. Um, I'd been a youth pastor for a long, long time, and I was going to be moving into some new roles and responsibilities. And so I'd been pouring into the lives of some young men who were going to lead the middle school and high school youth group back at our home church in Franklin. And um, at the handoff moment, when it was time to hand things off to the guy who was going to be taking over high school for me, um, one of the things that surprised me is when he took over leadership, how easily I got offended when he changed things. I even took it as like a sign like he thought I wasn't doing a good job. And it was like, oh, did, did you think that this stuff needed to be changed? Like things were going pretty successful, buddy. Like I, I kind of handed that off to you. Can you? And the Lord stopped me quick in my tracks and it was like, his job is not just to be you, His job is to be him and to lead these people that he's now called to parent. And actually what he was doing was the right thing. He didn't compromise values. He didn't compromise core things. He was being creative. He was being who he was called to be. And the truth is things got better. Like I even had to reach a point where I could admit that. It was better. It was. I'm not even just trying to say it to be like humble, like, it was better. <laughs> I was like, oh man, why didn't I think of some of those things? But see, if I can't let go, or if I'm not secure in who I am, then somehow I take that offensively instead of going, man, this is, this is awesome. Look what God's doing. Look at the legacy that's continuing. See, sometimes I need, what I need to embrace is letting go, like empowering some other people to be who God's called them to be. And then for some of us, it's like, hey, it's time to not hang back and keep thinking of myself as some little kid. It's time to step up. I'm a Joshua. And the Lord's called me to take some new territory and advance his kingdom. And he wants to instill courage and boldness in me that it's time to, to stand up and take new territory and knock over the music stand that you're speaking from. Anyway. For time's sake, I, I was going to read verses six through nine. Um, you're, you're probably somewhat familiar with them. They're, they're awesome. Like God's just affirming again in Joshua all these things that he sees in him and just telling him, man, you can do it. You can do it. I'm with you. He doesn't say anything new to him in verses six through nine, but he just reaffirms what he's learned from Moses. He reaffirms what he's already spoken he reminds him of everything that he's established in him. And he says, now is your time to lead. And so he's saying, Joshua, it's time to step up. And buddy, you're not alone. You're not alone. You're continuing a legacy and I'm with you. I wanna leave y'all with this. Can we pop up those little bullet points to you board that I've got there in the conclusion? I want you just to consider these things as we close. Maybe you even need to like write these down or take a picture with your phone. I don't know if we got them all on the screen. One, two, three, four, five. I think that's how many I've got. Who are your spiritual parents? If you can't immediately just identify a few names, then I'd, cons I'd encourage you to prayerfully consider, is God highlighting anyone to you that you can seek out? Who are your spiritual parents? Who are your spiritual children? 
don't think of this in the sense of like, oh, I'm so much better than them. It's just like, who's God put in your life that you can be investing in right now? If you're 20, I guarantee you there are some people you can be investing in right now. Who are your spiritual children? And then just a few questions to think about related to those two. How can you invest in them? How can you stand and serve with them? How can you embrace them in the season that you're in together right now? Sit with those things. Maybe take some time this afternoon or sometime this week. Guys, this isn't like a one-off message. This is, this is a way of life. We're called to live lives that carry on the legacy of Christ. We need to embrace the multi-generational church that we're called to be. Has the older generation gotten some things wrong? Sure. Is the younger generation missing in some areas? Sure. We need each other. We need to learn from each other, the good things and the bad. And we'll all be better for it. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for our time together this morning. God, thank you for your presence in our lives as the Father. Thank you, Jesus, for your role as the Son. Even within your relationship, Father and Son and Holy Spirit, you're teaching us within the Trinity about the importance of this multi-generational thing that we're called to. God, may we embrace this. May we step into our place as spiritual parents. May we embrace the gift of being a son or a daughter and recognize or seek out spiritual parents that you're giving us. Lord, may we not give up on each other or on the future. May we learn to stand with one another, to serve and mutually build up one another. And Lord, help us all to embrace the particular season that we are in. If we need to really just be sponges right now, soaking up and learning, serving alongside someone else who's further along in their faith, may we embrace that. Lord, if it's time for us to more intentionally invest in some others, may we do that. If it's time to do some releasing and affirming, may we do that. Lord, you speak to us about where we are right now and who we ought to be linking arms with. And may we all recognize the role we play in seeing your kingdom advanced in our city, in our relationships, in our homes, And Lord, even within our own hearts and lives, Lord, that we would give you access, that you'd be king in our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.